even our nourishment in you. And Lord, we tell you how your forgiveness is. Today we pray that our offering of worship today has been acceptable in your sight. Lord, we love you. Oh, how we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. Hey, we have a special treat today. Today is the kickoff of our men's ministry here. We'll be having the meals. I said about that at the end at 6 tonight. But uh, we've got someone very special who's with us today. Sit above the knees, really no introduction. Everybody knows them. In fact, everybody, the last one, and there was a dog here, there. There's always some story about where somebody sees you. And so if you look on Facebook, you can't keep up with the guy. Of course, he's on the staff of First Cap of Spartanburg for years and years and years. That can said him the best of the best. I have the privilege of knowing his father. And when he sings in a moment, you're going to hear over that. You'll hear how his dad sound a lot. But I want you to put your hands together and welcome Seth to our to be with y'all today. I'm just telling you, man, we have a church today. Come on. I mean, you get, you get after it when you're leading worship. You're doing that. You know, it's like you guys believe it. Isn't that awesome? You know, we, we serve a God who is real and he transforms lives and, uh, and he has a message for us every time we come together as a body. And, and I don't know what has brought you here today. Uh, I don't know what your journey is, but my prayer would be that when you leave today, you would say that you encountered the Lord, and the only thing that you remember is the truth of His Word, and how He spoke to you through music, through the message, through His Word, whatever that may be. And uh, there's something about coming together as a body, a body of believers to remind us that we're not alone in the journey of life. And a lot of times we need to remember that, don't we? Uh, it's, it's very easy to, uh, to get beyond that journey and the things in life that happen that, that uh, can cause us to, uh, the clouds to really overtake us. And um, so, you know, today as I, as I come to this time to leave today, I'm just so honored to be in this place. Uh, there's a legacy of thankfulness from Poplar Springs through the decades of the impact of this community. And uh, this church means so much to the kingdom cause. Uh, and I just, I'm telling you, I've been here long enough to, to be able to say that. I've been in this area for 25 years. I just live just down the road from here. And, uh, and then Poplar Springs, Poplar Springs, Poplar Springs. I've heard it since we moved here. And so I'm telling you, through, you, you need to know that the legacy of your faithfulness as a body of believers is profound. And, uh, and it's a privilege to be in this pulpit today. And I don't take that privilege lightly. Um, you know, so I'm talking with Scott, who I love so much, and my word, the energy, and the, the, the love for Jesus that just exudes from him. Uh, and been a dear friend just in the short time that we've actually known each other, we've known of each other. Uh, and then when he shared with me the first time I met him, um, he talked about my dad. Um, that meant the world to me, because anytime I meet somebody who knew my dad, um, I just want to listen. I want to listen to stories, because my dad was... As my greatest hero in life. He was a man, of, a great man of faith. And, um, and I'm gonna, I've got two songs I'm going to share today. Scott said, man, sing. It, you know, please sing. And so I've got one beginning and one at the very end of my message. And, uh, and so uh, this one really, 
it doesn't really, it's not part of my message, but it really is the message of the gospel. So I guess it does fit, but it's the story that really kind of made this song come alive to me because I've heard it for years. But on the morning that my dad passed away, my mom calls me and she said, baby, um, your daddy's not hurting anymore. Uh, he had been in pain of uh, disabled for almost 20 years. And he'd been in constant pain. Uh, I'm going to the whole story, but I, man, I got in my car and I, I bugged out to go easily as fast as I could get there. And when I walked into the house, I walked back to, to the bedroom with Mama and we turned the corner and here's my dad. And I, I just put my arm around her. And the first words out of my mouth was the chorus of this song. So I don't know what uh, battle you might be going through, what battle you may be going through, but remember, there will be a day when there will be no more night. No matter what struggle you're facing in life, uh, there will be a time when we will be united together as believers for all eternity, and there will be no more night. And so I pray that this song is an encouragement to you.
the message of the gospel brings hope to everyone who hears it and receives it. It changes our perspective and our prayer today and my prayer today. She brought that water with me. I did this on good, but we're going to work in this time. I'll be all right here in just a second. Um, it's, it's that when you reflect on it, um, it, it changes your perspective. And, and you know, when I think about the journey that I've been on in life, you know, I was at, I was at First Baptist for 25 years as the pastor. I've been in youth ministry uh, really since the Lord called my wife and I when we were in our in dating in college. We began to sense this calling and God confirmed that when we got married and uh, to reach students, to reach that next generation. And we've had the blessing of serving in the student ministry kind of realm for almost 36 years. We celebrated our 36th anniversary last week, by the way, and I didn't forget it. <laughs> okay? <laughs> um, you know, but it's one of the things that I also serve as the assistant director for Palmetto Voice Study, uh, which is sponsored by the American Legion, and every year we bring in the top rising uh, 900 to 1,000 boys from across the state of South Carolina, the, the senior boys uh, going into their senior year. And, um, and so the journey of that, and now that I'm with Fire Pit Ranch, I went on full-time with Fire Pit Ranch in December as the Director of Leadership Development. Uh, so I'm traveling and speaking in churches literally all over the state, mostly in the upstate Columbia up, um, challenging churches to, to engage in the community and provide mentoring opportunities for boys. And, and um, you know, we're, we're doing leadership development with a lot of the high school athletic teams. And there's some constants that keep bubbling up um, as, as I listen to the voices of this next generation. And one of the things that, that I'm hearing, especially this past summer at Boy State, when you know we will have a lot of elected officials that come into Boy State to speak, because that's a week that we spend introducing uh, government, the political process, how to make a difference in your community. Um, and, and a lot of the boys debate issues of the day. And it's, it was amazing to hear some of the mindsets and, and ar argumentative points that some of the students were making. And I'm like, wow, where's this coming from? You know, and, and, and I think that you would agree, a lot of times what we see in our, in our country today is, is when there's, there's thought processes that in some cases don't make sense. You kind of wonder where it originates from. And, and, uh, but, but as I was listening to these, these boys share, they weren't without passion, and passion was there, but they were arguing from a mindset based on what they thought was right. And the more I would dissect a lot of their conversations, it really was these guys are searching for truth, but I don't know it. And, and so I want you to keep that mindset in mind because, you know, we're, we're living in a chaotic time. I mean, I've, you know, I know I look old, but I'm only like 33 years old. Uh, <laughs> don't say that. Don't be a coward. You know, being 58 years old, okay, having four boys, well, I just went there, you know, did, you know the, and they did give me gray hair, I guess, maybe. Of course, I had the gray hair before. Actually, before I got married, I started gray, thanks to my mom's genetics. I got gray early. Uh, but one of the things growing up with, with our boys and, and just seeing them and, and being around them, listening to their stories, uh, there's a common thread in the younger generation based on when they were born, 
Okay, back in 91 to where we are today, it seems like the chaos has gotten worse. And a lot of that is the influence of social media and the spin and the news and all the things that we hear. And, uh, and it's created a sense of desperation because I believe we're surrounded by people that are searching for truth. They want to know, okay, what is the truth? And so when they hear someone speak articulately with passion, it's real easy for the younger generation to go, well, gosh, they're passionate. They're articulate. That must be true. Because they have nothing else to really measure against. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, there is a measuring rock. And it is God's word. It is unchanging. It is, it is the substance to base our life on. But there's so many of us today and our world today, so many people that are trying to build on something else. And uh, to take a phrase from a, a great song, all other ground is sinking sand. Okay, there's only one solid rock. So to resonate on that today as we look at God's Word together, we're going to look at uh, from the book of Mark, chapter 10. This is one of my favorite stories in Scripture. This account, this story is actually covered in other Gospels, but I, I choose this one because there's a particular phrase that's mentioned in this version, in this particular account, that's not mentioned in the others. And it's just a nuance that Mark picked up on. Uh, doesn't change the truth of the other ones at all. It just kind of gives us another look. One of the things I love when I study God's Word, I love to see how the different disciples, you know, view some of their different angles, kind of like having different camera angles. You know, you can see some things. Oh, wow, I didn't know that side. That, that's pretty cool to see that. So you'll stop, try to bring that to bear as we walk through this together. Verse 17 from chapter 10. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done at the time. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. You know, in, in the time of this ruler right here, this is the story known as the rich young ruler. And so in, in that time of an era of time, there, were, there was a lot of political chaos going on in the region. Okay? And the message of Jesus was beginning to permeate that region. People were talking about Jesus. He was healing people. He was preaching a message that was different than what they had ever heard. And it was beginning to make sense. But they didn't know the right questions to ask because, you know, what, what does all this mean? How will this impact? You know, so anyway, these stories begin to permeate the region. So once you think about that, also once you think about the rich young room, whatever he had and whatever he had tried in the past, Something wasn't working. 
Okay, when we read this scripture. And so there's some points I want to draw out. If, if you're a note taker, you can write these down. If not, hopefully this kind of helps you to sequentially put the story together and maybe how it relates to where you are. But the first thing that, that I draw out of this is he was desperate for answers. And you're like, okay, Seth, I get it. I mean, I don't really get it, but what do you mean by desperate? How do you know that? Well, I'm going to say this. If you look at verse 17, a man came running up to him and knelt down. So I want to remind you, in this era, if you were a ruler in the ruling of capacity and of financial means, you didn't run anywhere. You had people that would run for you. And go tell them to come here. You go sit that. You go over there. You go tell them to come here and you talk to them. Okay? He's not going to run anywhere. And he's definitely not going to deal down to anybody. Okay? Except obviously Pilate or you know, whoever that would be. This really is like, he's in charge. Why would he run? Because he's desperate. I want you to get a picture of the, the garments that he would have been wearing in that era of time, in that day, would have been, you've seen choir robes before, okay? It's like triple choir robes. And so if you've ever tried to run a choir robe, and I have when I was singing for my dad, trying to get to the one side of the, the, the back in the hallway behind the uh, choir off the other side, you've got to grab the choir robe and hold it to run. Or you're going to be looking, you're going to be face planting on the ground. You with me? This rich young ruler not only ran, not only knelt, but when he ran, he looked pretty goofy. Because he had his robes like this right here. He was holding his robes, running to Jesus. Why? How do I know that? Well, since he didn't say that, he's a rich young ruler, and when you do deeper study on the context of the day, that is a fact. He was desperate. He didn't care how he looked. How desperate are you? How desperate are you? He knew he was missing something. This guy had everything that he didn't. Number two, he recognized that he didn't have the answers. Okay? Because he asked the question, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, surely as a rich ruler, you would know all the people come to you with those questions. He didn't have that answer. Okay? Number three. He had attempted everything he knew to do to find spiritual peace. How do we know that? Well, Jesus walked through the playlist. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Richard Rule said, I've done that since I was a kid. Pursue this and something. I want to draw your attention to something else. He was a guy who was desperate. Didn't have the answers. Uh, he tried everything, trying to find peace. I want you to look at verse 21. This is the verse that we don't see in the others' accounts that I think is very, very significant. It says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Okay. I want to pause there for just a minute. It doesn't matter how desperate you are. It doesn't matter where you've gone, what you've done, what you thought, what you said. 
Jesus saw this man in desperation and said he looked at him and he loved him. He saw him in desperation and he loved him. And, and I like to look at that again. It doesn't say Jesus looked at him and said, I love you. And so what that means to me is that as Mark was watching this unfold, there was a demeanor, there was a countenance, there was a presence of Jesus that screamed to this guy, I love you. That Mark picked up on that, like, wow, he, he's loving on him right now, even though he sees this desperate place. I want you to receive that this morning. I think Jesus looks at you this morning and says, with his demeanor, with his look, I love you. I don't know what you're going through, but I love you. I love you just the way that you are, but I love you too much to leave you that way. Because the very next thing we see is Jesus challenged him. He loved him right where he was. He met him right where he was. We see that consistent all through Scripture. Jesus met people where they were. He didn't ask for them to clean up, to get ready to come to him, before he would accept their presence to be with him or to be in his presence. He met them right where they were. You see that over and over again. But when he challenged him, he challenged him to let go of his identity, his security, um, the things that he felt like were that made him who he was. And, um, you know, a lot of times we look at it, well, what this is saying is that if you're rich, you can't go to heaven, you can't have eternal life. That's not what this is saying now. This guy found his identity in that. And Jesus was challenging let go of that identity. Give it away. Don't let that be your God. Don't let that be your life. There's more to life than that. And since he was given the choice to walk away grieving because he valued all the other things in his life. Now, I'll say to you that you know, we, we don't know the rest of the story years later. If this guy you know, reflected on all that, man, man I've made a mistake, I, you know, I, now it makes sense. We have no idea, but all I know is in that moment, he wasn't willing to let go of that identity. There's a lot of people that hear the truth of the gospel. You hear the message of Jesus. It makes sense. It resonates, but you're not willing to let go. I mean, the invitation him later this morning is going to be, I surrender all. And there's a lot of people that will sing that song, but not me. They'll sing it, and they'll, they'll know all the harmony. In fact, they'll know verse 2. Not just verse 1. But the life doesn't indicate that they're surrendering everything. That's all you are, your identity, what you value of everything other than Jesus. You know, I believe that, that we're living in a time today that I don't have to convince you uh, that the value of God's Word has been greatly diminished in our society. You know, there, there's uh, all throughout, when you look at, uh, for decades, literally, when people had questions in life, issues, uh, whatever it may be, their first default response would be, I need to go see uh, somebody at the church, even if they weren't a church member. Y'all, for, for decades, from the, from the foundation of, of, of America, from the forming of America, people who were not even believers, if they had times of crisis, they would go to the church. Okay? And so, you know, 1983 was declared the year of the Bible by President Ronald Reagan, and it was passed as a resolution by Congress, February of 1983. You can Google it and read it. It's, it's like you're reading a document for a revival service. Talks about how God's word is the moral compass for our nation. 
We're coming all the way ahead of me. In the opposite direction. I want you to think about that for just a minute because for 250 years, there's been this noticeable, noticeable drift away from these foundational truths that, that we value. But you think about what I was talking about earlier, how people are passionate, they're speaking their opinions that are becoming their truth, and how that leaves them in a constant state of searching and desperation. Alex de Tocqueville in 1831, he's a French historian and political scientist, he came to America for nine months to study why is America so great? Why is this nation so great? Some 55 years old into this, this uh, what's called a, uh, a test or a project or whatever this democracy experiment was the term used often. It was an experiment in democracy. Okay? And uh, he's, for nine months he studied. In fact, you can read the book Democracy in America. But this is a quote from his study. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. In her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. In her rich mines and vast world commerce, and it was not there. In her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with the righteousness of God that I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. Now to define good in this context is the pursuit of righteousness. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and will wander off into myths and man-made fictions. Welcome to America in 2022. You know, um, I realize we're, we're closing in on, and I think this coming week is considered week zero. I'm about to say a word that some of y'all are going to be excited about, a phrase, some of y'all are going to be excited about, some of y'all are going to moan out loud about. It's called football season. It's going to be like, oh, right here we go. How much longer can they make football season, you know, from August to July? Um, but I want you to, you know, I realize not everybody understands the rules of football. I'm not going to go through the play-by-play of all the different rules, but I want to, if you're just indulge me for just a minute, I want to give you a picture of something. Um, you know, uh, and, and you think about uh, this truth, first of all. In the game of football, you have four downs to go 10 yards. Now, some of y'all folks, hang with me one more break. I'm not doing this stuff. All right, just hang with me. You, you go 10 yards, okay? On the sidelines, if you look on the sidelines, there's uh, these two yardsticks that are held together by chains. Supposed to be 10 yards apart. And that's kind of the ideal. That's the standard, supposed to be. But here's these posts, and so when you look at the sidelines, you go, okay, there's 10 yards. Then there's another stick that's called a ball marker. And it tells you where the line of scrimmage is, where the ball is marked, and how far you need to go to get the 
First down. Okay, good. All right, what's my degree? First down. All right. Okay, so y'all, most everybody's with me. Some are like, can you put me on the next illustration? But here's the deal. Let's think of a rivalry in this region that can be fairly heated at times. Like, let's go Burns Gorman. I don't know. We'll just we'll take that, maybe. Uh, and you can you can put in whoever you want to there. But let's say let's say it's Burns Gorman. Let's say it's for fourth quarter. And man, it is intense. Okay? And um, you know, uh, you know, years ago one of the quarterbacks for, for Burns was Willie Corn. Uh, Willie Corn gave his life to Christ when he was at North River University and was making a huge impact all the way from the kingdom. Coach for Coach Jamie Chapman now, Coach for Carolina. Coach, uh, I know you know William well. Excited to see what God's doing in him. But go back to that year when he was playing high school football. What would have happened if Willie's under center? They got four downs to go. They're against Gorman. It's fourth quarter. And they're, they're behind. They've got a score. Yeah, I don't know if Willie was ever behind, but we're just, I'm just hang with me in this. All right, so they, they you know, first down, second down, third down. Okay, he's going to get that first down. So then he comes up under center, and uh, man, the, the linemen, man, they're breathing heavy and hard, and they're going at it. They're, man, they're, it's intense. Willie gets under center, and he looks up and just kind of verify how far do we need to go to get that first down. If he looks over the sidelines, and the yardsticks aren't there, the, the ball markers aren't there. And, and, and all of a sudden he backs up and says, Mr. Ref, um, how far do we need to go to get the first down? And just imagine the ref going, oh, Willie, you, you choose. You, you, you let me know if you think y'all make it. And if you think you make it, then, then I, we're good. Uh, we're, 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 we're good with that. You, 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 you let me know. And, and if you think it's right, then that's okay. Well, just imagine the defensive captain for going, whoa, 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 Mr. Ref. What if we think we stop him? Oh, that's fine. If you think you stop him, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll just work it out. You just let me know what you think if you think I'll stop. Now, folks, that is a recipe for a chaos that you can't imagine. That is the world we're living in today where we're saying, oh, no, you do what you think is right. And you let me know if you think it's right, that's okay. That's okay. No, that's fine. We're working out. And before you know it, everybody's calling their own shots. And nobody knows what truth is anymore. Somebody's moved the yard markers and they've gotten rid of those. There's one truth. It's God's Word. It is unchanging. Well, Brother Seth, I don't, I don't like that part of that. Well... I hear what you say, man, it's still God's word. You may not like it, but it's truth. Let's walk through that together. You know, I, I just I'll say this. Um, the importance of having a compass is crucial. You know, I think about um, several years ago, my oldest son, Jacob was on a uh, survival experience. He had gone through outdoor wilderness in Montgomery and uh, graduated and 
he was teaching at R.D. Anderson at the time, and he was still doing some survival training and being certified at uh, higher levels. If, if you've ever heard of uh, Dual Survivor, he was doing TV years ago. He went to go study under one of those guys. Uh, and he was like at level three, which is like a master's level uh, training experience. It was a three-day weekend, 72-hour experience in Ohio in February. I can't say Rob and I, my bride's in the back right there. Uh, I can't say we were super excited because, you know, Ohio, February, I mean, just, you know, just think through that for a second. But, you know, we were we were praying for him and, and he was newly married and so we were trying to encourage Sloan and every time we find out, you know, inside, I'm going, okay, who do I know all the way through there in case I need to get somebody to go try to find me? You know, so he goes and, and uh, they, they get a compass, him and one guy, they get a compass, a knife, and a necklace with beads to it's called pace beads. So that you've done land navigation before, you know what I'm talking about. To determine distance and then coordinates since you have to travel to checking points to get your final destination at the end of 72 hours or within the 72 hour time frame. Two to three hours into their experience to their first coordinate, the snow began. And it didn't stop. And I mean, it was snowing to beat the band. Tracks, uh, by the way, if it's snowing heavy, heavy cloud cover, no stars, no moon, no sun. So your sense of direction is all dependent on one thing. Because I'm going to tell you a little fun fact about a compass. True north is still true north. When it's snowing, when it's raining, whether you feel good or not, true north is still true north. So they can depend on the fact that this compass was true. They accomplished their goal. They had a lot of obstacles along the way, but their saving grace really was that their compass was unchanging. Folks, no matter what we're going through, we can trust that God's word gives clarity to us. But we've got to get to that. When Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, Nobody comes to the Father through me. We need to understand that subjective reasoning leads to chaos. That's the football illustration. But today, I want you to think with me. Our, we have a, 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 this next generation is being inundated with, with uh, influencers, known as TikTok influencers or social media influencers. The average high school student, okay, spends seven hours and 21 minutes a day in the social media world to some degree. With Snapchat, Instagram, uh, in, in, in that realm. And then they're first of all, man, how many guys could, you know, maybe 15 minutes? But then they, they take it every six seconds, and when we can add up all those things, which has been done through this survey that was released about 90 days ago. So students are spending that much time. I, I would guess that they're not spending seven hours or 20 minutes in God's Word to counter that. You know, you know travel, travel with you. We're being discipled through Netflix binging, okay? Through TikTok influencers, social media tsunamis. That's what's discipling America's thought process. And the value of God's Word is beginning to shift to the back shelf because we don't see it as relevant. God's Word is more relevant today than it's ever been because it speaks to today. 
So how do we bring clarity to the chaos? How do we, what do we do about it, Seth? Number one, we, we just, I need to understand we got to be Jesus to the world. People are searching for truth when we've got to live authentically as someone who loves Jesus. No more masks. What I mean by that, this is not a covenant comment. This is a, we, believers have been wearing masks for decades. We have this image when we come to church. Everything's great. We go out and we live a whole other way in the world. People are confused. What's true? We need to live consistently that Jesus is the light of our life. Number two, we must pursue accountability. You must have people in your life that are challenging you to become more like Christ and are calling you out on stuff that's not. Do you have somebody in your life say, hey, bro, man, you don't need to be saying that kind of stuff. You don't need to be talking that way. You don't need to be going there. Or, hey, man, let's get together and pray together. I need an accountability partner that encourages me in my prayer life. God never intended for us to fly through life solo in our spiritual journey. He wanted us to have other believers encouraging us to become more like Him. So pursue accountability. Number three, live by conviction, not by comfort. Not what's ever comfortable in the moment, but stand for your convictions. And folks, I'm telling you, we're going to be challenged in that regard more than ever before in the days to come. Number four, repent and seek reconciliation. When you're in the presence of a holy God, just like Isaiah was in the year the king's eye died, when he said he saw the Lord, he was undone by his sinfulness, broken in the presence of God. Folks, all of us have sin in our lives that we need to repent from. But if we wrong someone else as well, we need to seek reconciliation and bring healing. You know what that says to the world? We're living by different standard. Well, you have a right to hold a grudge. You have a right. They did this. Not, not based on God's word. It doesn't mean that, that reconciliation is easy, but it is biblical. And we've got to choose which route we're going to go. We're going to go by conviction of God's word, or we're going to go by what's comfortable and just not, you know, not address the issue. And then the last thing is to become consistent, a consistent beacon of hope. You know, I, I'm working with Fire Pit Ranch, and, and we're we're uh, equipping men to go into local schools to mentor boys, most of whom who don't have dads in their lives. And we have two schools just down the road here that we're trying to get mentors for uh, because there's boys there. Last year, of the 12 boys we were mentoring there, 11 of them didn't have a dad in their life. In the 1960s, 92 percent of boys were raised in a home when there was a dad. Today it's less than 50%. So to be a consistent beacon of hope is not just coming to worship, it's going into the community. It's being hands-on. What can I do to make a difference? Y'all got 61 children signed up to be up on soccer. 61 children. 25 of those children don't have a church home. Their families are not involved in any church. You know what being a consistent thing of hope is? Finding out whoever's in charge of, of, of soccer and saying, listen, you know what? I don't know Jack Billy about soccer, but I want to make a difference in the lives of a kid. Can I help? By the way, the way they've got it outlined through the soccer program, you, you don't have to know anything, because I can promise you I don't. 
got them. Here's what you do. Here's what you say. Here's how you coach them. That's being a beacon of hope to kids who, are, who want somebody to pour in their life. At the end of the day, folks, people need the Lord. You see, the Lord is truth. He is the one who brings clarity to the chaos. And in order for us to bring clarity to the chaos, we have to understand that people need the Lord. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. I want you to think about that role that God is calling you to take. It's a call to action for each one of us today to live differently than the way we came in these doors. But it begins by us seeing the world as He sees them and to understand that people need the Lord.
it's a great day to celebrate the presence of Jesus, but it's even extra special when you hear the testimony of Mackenzie and Haley, who last night with mom prayed to receive Jesus Christ in their personal life. You know, one of the things about this, I'm going to look down at these folks in this kind of a little bit. This is awesome, awkward at the same time. Uh, but this is a picture of people who, if you'll commit to pray for them in this journey of faith, will you lift up your hand for them to see that? These are folks that are saying, hey, we're with you. And there's going to be times in your life where you're going to feel like, man, this, this journey of following Jesus is not easy. Here's a sea of people that say, hey, we're with you. It's kind of like the picture in Hebrews chapter 12. When we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses cheering for us in that in that legacy and life of faith. And so you were not alone. And we celebrate with you all today. This is awesome. This is awesome. So um, Scott, I'm not, doing, I'm not sure how you'll close it out, but I was just doing Well, first of all, if you're happy to have them today, we say amen.
And for what you have spoken to our hearts today, I pray today that it will be something we can't get away from as we leave this place. It will have these words in our hearts. Lord, help us to realize that the solid rock is your word. Always has been, always will be. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.